la la la. Wheezy F, baby, is in the building. Bull Perceptions is back. We got a very interesting episode today. We're talking about pleasure and sex. Sex definitely sells. Liz uh, is like a pleasure coach into the kind of hippie realm of the world. I like it. We had a great conversation. She's actually seen Allie, who we have had on, a psychic. So we're bridging the community. I love it. Love to see it. Um, I hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter. Send us your email, whether it be through Instagram or Facebook, or even email us at boldperceptions at gmail.com. Things are moving. I hope you guys have a wonderful, beautiful day. Enjoy this um, explicit episode, maybe? Or raw and uncut episode. Ciao. We're back in black. We got a really cool guest today. A guest that was connected through the Bold Perceptions Network. I'll let her tell the story, but we're going to get into some occult stuff, beyond duality, all the hippie manifesting, fun, and sensual eating, sexual eating type deal. But it's Liz, and she's in Florida. She runs the Embodied Manifestation. That's what you're kind of working on your project. And I'm really excited to get into stuff. Um, for the listeners that have heard our, our podcast, we love to dive deep into kind of the unknown or kind of what's behind the mask and, and whatnot. So Liz, can you shoot our listeners a quick little background and how uh, we came to have this recording? Yeah. So my partner is Dimitri and he, he's been listening to you guys for a while and he introduced me to the podcast. He's like, oh yeah, you gotta, you know, you're kind of out there. You kind of like different perspectives and listening to weird stuff. And so you got to try Like I got to listen to this podcast. And then it was actually specifically Allie that he's, um, I started talking to him about, cause I actually do psychic stuff as well. And, you know, I've talked to psychics previously and I listened to Allie's podcast with you guys. I think all three, there was like three of them that you guys did. And I listened to all three of them and I'm like, got to set up a, a reading with her. And so actually I have family in Forest Lake where up in Minnesota and I'm like, oh, actually that's only like, I don't know, like an hour or two away from where she is and got a reading with her and yeah. Yeah. So and here for we are. <laughs> anyone that doesn't know Allie, she's a psychic. We've had her on a couple of times. She's quite fascinating. Make sure to go check out those, those episodes, but it's super neat. You were down in Florida and you ended up doing an in-person meeting with Allie. I love it. Connecting the doers. And I'm hoping you guys built a good relationship. And now me and you are here. Now your mission with this project you're doing is to try to awaken people, maybe give, give them more like awareness. Right. Awaken to all of these different parts of ourselves. I feel like we kind of, everybody kind of gets stuck in our personality, right? Like we have these specific parts of ourselves that we identify and cling to, but in certain situations, they may not be helpful or, you know, we, it does not feel authentic to us, but for us, like those are safe, but it still leads to the kind of this authenticity. So you talked about like yin and yang. And so connecting with these light and dark parts of ourselves and being able to kind of accept them for as they are to be able to live more authentically. 
What I find is interesting because I just watched a, a cool documentary called The Wild Wild Country with uh, the Bhagwa, Bhagwa, whoever. He was the Indian sex guru. He was labeled whoever. He went to Oregon and bought a ton of uh, acres and wanted to create like this perfect utopia. And obviously the Americans that were in the small town area were like, what the hell is going on? This guy's got 17 Rolls Royces. It's a total sex cult. They're crazy and, and this and that. But a lot of the message with this dude and what was going on with him was he was like open to, he was pro-sex. He was pro like religion. He was pro, you know, having fun. And he, he seems like he had a, a grip kind of on the duality. Yeah. And what's funny, what's so ironic about that documentary, I only, I watched it last year. It's been a while since I watched it, but like that documentary is a perfect example of like a trauma response of duality because you had like this one part of that, that little town in Wyoming that was like so stuck in tradition and, you know, the, the kind of the, I don't know if that like the old way of thinking or just that, just this comfortable way of thinking. And then you had, I guarantee all of those people in that town had experienced something like that in at some point in their life. And they were all the way on the other side of the spectrum where they were like, you know, like I have lots of sex and I'm so much happier than you. And just that it was like a really cool example of that. And then you have like this guy, I don't know, remember his name and what they called him then, but he goes by Osho now. And you know, a lot of what he said was so truthful and so wise and, and stuff like that. And people kind of just like took it and ran with it, but didn't really that word embody, embody like what he was talking about. They kind of just internalized in their mind, like what was right about it and then created it. Like I said, it's been a while since I've seen that documentary. And so from what I remember of it, that's just kind of what it was. The duality aspect of it, though, is pretty interesting. Like you said it was like one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum, and it just caused total chaos because they're going exactly. to the extremes, right? Yeah, because they because there's that 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 separation in that duality. I think in a perfect world, like those two would be able to. There's still truth in both of both perspectives, and I like that documentary for that reason too. That you had like it, it humanized both sides of the story the people in the town and their perspective of it. And then you had the, the individuals in, in the, the cult community that were, we'll call it a cult, in the cult community that were, you know, that, and, and it was very, it was very, there was still like quite a bit of compassion in that documentary. And I did appreciate it for that reason, but. Yeah, it, it was definitely yeah. well-made. Everyone should check it out. It's called Wild Wild Country. You can see it on Netflix, highly recommend it. But okay, let's go into some more examples of this beyond uh, duality. Um, we were talking about polygamy and monogamy and kind of like sex and relationships relating to like the human condition. Yeah. Ex yeah. So okay, I'm, I'm going to share my experience with like polyamory and monogamy and setting this, setting the tone for this conversation. Like, I feel like I, there was this meme that, that came up that my friend had posted on Instagram that was like, this, I don't know, like Babadook character that was like tapping on the window and it's like, I'm polyamorous. You know, did you know that polyamory is not a typical thing that you do, like a, not a normal human habit. And it's just kind of like this pushing of like, this is the right thing. This is the right thing because, you know, monogamy is not normal. And then there's the other side of the story where you have like the church that's like people who, you know, marriage is the right thing to do things that we grew up. Like, I, I'm not going to beat that horse because somebody else beat it way too much. <laughs> but my experience with it is like, I remember 
like in my last relationship, I, I was not feeling sexually satisfied in my last relationship. And like, I had a lot of polyamorous friends where, and I had cheated in my previous relationship. So I had like this habit of just like wanting to, to go to other people to be sexually satisfied. And so my friends were polyamorous and they kind of got me into this, like, oh, well, like maybe you're just polyamorous and maybe you just need to open up your relationship a little bit more. <laughs> and so I did, and it went fucking awful. <laughs> it was like, there was, there was so much that happened. Like it was not a, it was not, we I feel like with polyamory, you need to be, you need to have a lot of that communication between two people and something that my partner and I at the time did not have. During that experience, I realized that like, oh, wow, I'm outsourcing a lot of my sexual energy on other people, including my partner. And that's why I'm not satisfied. And that's actually like me getting into this work now. I'm like, well, no, duh. Like I'm in this work now because like I've had these experiences where I've outsourced sexual energy for other people. So a lot of what embodiment is and a lot of what I do is like working with that sexual energy and sacral chakra. And even then, like through my experience, like I didn't do polyamory. That's not a thing to do. That's bad. I'm loyal. And then I went to polyamory or then I went from polyamory back to monogamy, like, okay, monogamy or polyamory is bad. Like I had a terrible experience with it. That's not okay. And it's, like even just stepping back into that duality. The, the thing that comes with the sacral chakra is this level of uniqueness and uniqueness in your experience and that authenticity that I was talking about too. Let me pause so like, before we go into this chakra stuff, let me, yeah. So monogamy, monogamy is kind of a newer thing on in like society and humans, like really got popular with the church mm-hmm. back in the day. And then, I mean, this is what you can read or, you know, the idea is behind how it made like a functioning society. You know, everyone's got like a man, a wife, you build a family, um, you have values like in, in morals. And it was kind of like really pushed and it kind of helped mm-hmm. society run. But let's say for the, the evolution of humans in our history, for the most part, you know, hunters and gatherers, they weren't with one person. You know what I mean? Like the, the wife had like the, the tribe raised the baby and the, the big hunter guy was going out and spreading his seed and monogamy is kind of like a new like invention and now we grow up in like our age with disney and and the, you're gonna find the one and you have like the soulmate and you know in the church if you get divorced you know you're going to hell and and all that different things so it seems like we really got put in this box of monogamy and now i think the floodgates are starting to open about mm-hmm. kind of more different types of relationships i mean you see the divorce rate it's skyrocketed you see um like social media and the abundance of like different options many people have that you know, in previous generations, you were stuck to your little town, right? You know, and, and now you have the whole world at your fingertips. So I think we're really starting to look deep into like our, our psychology or our biology uh, w- with regarding to different sorts of relationships. Is that kind of what you're going at with this polygamy and, and monogamy? Yeah. And actually a lot of what I've learned through my practice through this embodiment work too, is like owning those fucking desires. What is it that you actually, that's, and that's like the key to manifestation too, like being really clear about what it is that you desire. So if you desire that polyamorous relationship where you want to have that lifestyle, like you, Nick, like you, you travel, you said that you travel a lot and you know, you have if, if somebody who is traveling a lot, like they have, you know, like, okay, I have a girl in this area. And whenever I go see her, like we have this, this really beautiful, like intimate relationship. And then, you know, we enjoy our time together. And I think I've heard you guys talk about this. Um, the last podcast that I listened 
was the wanderlust one. And that was kind of his thing too. You guys talked about like, yeah, you fall in love with this person for this period of time. And then you, you just really fucking enjoy that experience, that intimate experience that you have. And then you kind of go to the next place and being able to have that freedom and, and giving yourself that permission to, to own up to those desires. Like this is the lifestyle that I want. Yeah. And I think it's, it's great to dive into this stuff and become more aware of it because it's like, not saying monogamy is bad and, and, and all that, but to be, you know, open to different things. It's like we've seen a lot of marriages aren't too happy or a lot of things aren't going too well. So maybe there is something more, maybe it's not like the grass is always greener, but you, you don't have to box yourself in, or this is the route that society tells me to go. And I need to do this way. Know what I mean, I think we're getting to a bigger understanding with the internet and with all this information that, you know, you know, what we are sexually and what we are with like relationships type deal. Right. And I, I like that you said, it's not like one size fits all either. For me personally, I actually, like, and that, that goes into identity too. That goes into like, I identify as like, I'm not a big fan of labels or anything like that. Like I can't even, I don't even want to say that I'm monogamous or polyamorous or anything like that, because that kind of goes into even labeling, I labeling like what, what that means, like what relationships mean, what, what what sex means. Cause like something that I like to ask in interviews, like if I'm conducting an interview is like, okay, what is, what, when you think of sex, what does that mean to you? When you think of self-pleasure, what does that mean to you? Because everybody has these different perspectives on what that is. And that's where that clear communication comes in too, especially in relationships. Like when I talk about, when I talk about sex, it may be something completely different than when you talk about sex. So when I talk about self-pleasure, I'm learning that my version of self-pleasure is different than the majority. <laughs> Here's what I think too, with all this stuff is there's been systems laid out for us in the past. People have done them. You know, the government tries to say, Hey, kind of go this way. Your parents say, Hey, go this way. And like, for the most part, it's going to put you on a, a place to, to success, but you can look deeper um, behind it. I don't think you should go off the rails and be like, Oh my God, I'm going to turn into a hippie and go live in the jungle type deal. Like that's kind of going like to the extremes. Right. But mm. you know, it's not like dismissing the old systems of the church or, or, or what, you know, uh, go get it, go to college, get a degree, do the nine to five. Like it's worked and it works for a lot of people too, but mm -hmm. to kind of look past it and open up your awareness and dibble and dabble in different things to find your identity and find what works for you and, and what makes you happy. Right. What makes you unique and, and authentic. But, and some it's, people, but some people go to the extremes with it. And oh, I'm so unique. Mm. And I, and I do this. And then they're, you know, shooting heroin on the side type deal too. And that's not, <laughs> that's not good for anybody. That's detrimental to society is detrimental to yourself too. So it's like, it's a balance. You got to find the balance on your enlightenment journey. Right. For sure. And a lot of what I work with, with clients too, is like, honestly, if I, I'm not condoning shooting up heroin, let me, let me be clear on that. <laughs> But and when I like, I, cause I didn't also, I don't work with drugs or anything like that either. That's not, I'm, I'm not that type of therapist or anything like that. But when it comes to like, that's where this embodiment practice comes in, where it's like, what feels good in the body right now? Oh God, I have to be really clear about what I said. Cause especially cause you said shooting up heroin. Like I gotta, <laughs> I gotta be really clear on what, what I'm talking about here. But if authentically, if going off the rails and going into the jungle, if that's what's being called to you, I've heard people have extremely good success stories of that. And I think even that we are so conditioned not to do that. Even these, these extreme experiences, 
you know, there's, it's, it's kind of like a lot of what I practice, what I bring clients through too, is like, okay, releasing that judgment. If that's, if that's what you're feeling in this moment, go for it. What I got to say though, too, to right. this in like, yeah, it's like stepping outside like the matrix, but the matrix has mm-hmm. to be in place. Cause like, let's say everyone wanted to start a business. Well, 90% of them are going to go broke. Then, you know, who's paying taxes. Then we have homeless and we have crime mm-hmm. and no families being raised. Now the country's at, at a threat where they can get invaded. I think it's like each individual's journey too. But I think the whole matrix idea, and I bashed on, you know, do this, do this. And here's the path laid out. It, you got to like appreciate it too, because it helps society function. You know what I mean, in America, we live in very, very good luxury conditions. 95% of Americans do compared to the rest of the world. Know what I mean, mm-hmm. so something good has been in place. So, but if everyone just went off the rails at once, I mean, what, I mean, we're going to go extinct. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. So right. Individual journey at the, the right time. Exactly. You don't have to go off the rails if that's not what feels good for you. It's, it's, and this is, like I said, that's the, and it, this non-duality thing can be kind of like a, a long ass conversation because we can, like, God, we can dive into so many different things. And, and even like knowing where you stand on certain, I think like, shit, we're just going, I'm not going to get into politics, but that's kind of even like where we're at with politics too, where, you know, there's, there's the people who are on one side and the other, and then there's the people who subscribe and don't subscribe. There's the people who are like, no, you have to participate and you have to vote and you have to do this. And there are people who are like, I'm completely an individual and I'm sovereign and I'm, I'm, I'm not participating in this. So there's, there's so many different ways where this non-duality thing can kind of come in. And it's, and in like, we've been talking about it, it's that individual journey too. No, I find it fascinating. It's kind of like, you know, hippie kind of out there thoughts. I think they're great, but I've told you I'm really into um, history and Mm -hmm. and looking at history, like unsubjectively, like, okay, what happens if this, this side won? You know what I mean? Then we would be thinking way different because who writes the textbooks? You know what I mean? The whole Mm -hmm. quote, the winners write the textbooks. And, and so like seeing everything is not good or not evil, but kind of diving deeper outside of my perspectives and trying to see different ways, like you're tripping on something, know what I mean? And, and just uh, unleash mm-hmm. the, the floodgates of thought. Like I said, then you, you sometimes you go crazy. Know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I've gotten <laughs> down really deep rabbit holes. And at the end of the day, what is it doing? For <laughs> is it making me happier or am I going crazy and not being productive and, and uh, fulfilled type deal? So it's the, this duality thing is a very interesting topic for sure. Yeah, I can definitely relate to going crazy with the non-duality thing. This the science and spirituality thing, that's actually like literally what happened to me. I like went insane because I started going way 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 deep into these these rabbit holes and I I realized in this journey of non-duality is a lot of the times I don't take my perspective seriously enough or like I don't land like I don't sit in my own truth enough. And so, and like my beliefs and stuff like that. And it's kind of like that agree to disagree kind of thing where you can keep going down these rabbit holes, but then bringing it back to yourself and your body and what feels right for you. And it's, it's not that anybody's right or wrong. It's just like, this is not my truth. And you know, that's, that's your truth. And that's okay too. Individual truth. I like that. Exactly. Enlightenment people talk about that too. It's not, you got to follow your own path. It's not you know, Bagua's over there, or maybe Jesus, if it is, it is, you got to follow your own truth type deal. I like that exactly. a lot. Exactly. 
Let's take a pause, maybe go grab a nice little beverage. I hope you have been enjoying this thought-provoking conversation. We are about to get into a new segment with sex energy, how to use it to manifest the different chakras and their effects, how some people can orgasm differently, and last but not least, the power of your life force energy. I hope your perspectives are being broadened and your horizons being even more broadened. Enjoy. I'm gonna take my time. She gonna get hers before I. I'm gonna take it slow. Like my experiences first with sex magic were like. <laughs> the more orgasms you have, the you know, the more that you manifest. The first the first time I heard about sex magic, it was like this this witchy, like occult looking lady. And she was like, I throw money on my bed and I make sex with and I have sex with my lover and um and I think about the exact number of like how um of money that I want in my account. And I right before I orgasm, then I have an orgasm and and I just let that come to me. And um there is some truth in that, like going into that non-duality part where there is that, that truth of like orgasmic energy is actually like one of the highest energies that you can achieve in as, as a human being like that, that is actually like the highest energy. So it makes sense that you're able to manifest during orgasm, what, what you want, but the work that I do is that somatic healing part. So if there is a blockage in your body that hasn't been healed, I, I, I'm able to kind of take you through those practices and being, being able to open your body up more. So that way, one, you have better orgasms Two, I'm not saying that I can give you better orgasms, but practices that can help you out with that. And two, being able to manifest more through that. So the sacred, that shape sacral chakra has a lot to do with not just in sex and sensuality, but also business, money, that authentic uniqueness. Like there's so much that's packed into that sacral chakra. But like some the chakra and the orgasms, like extreme powerful energy. Isn't like one of the most powerful Yeah. Yep. creating because normally the orgasm like creates life, right? Yeah. That's actually, that's exactly it too, is like that that your whatever that energy like is creative energy like that is that is the energy that that comes with like the creator you know like that that's what your your reproductive system is meant to do is to create it's it's not and if you actually like the biologically it's to procreate but even more deeper into the like science and spirituality it's also meant to create anything. And if we, we talk about God and we talk about like the creator tapping into that creative energy, you, you kind of connect with that. And to me, like you connect with that higher power. And, um, a lot of, when I started doing this work, a lot of people were talking about life force energy and I'm like, well, what the fuck does that mean? Okay. That's a, and to me, like I was super critical of okay, this is a lot of uh, life force energy. I feel like is a lot of pressure just on this one chakra. Like you have like, I think the really, you have like 112 chakras and life force energy comes from this one chakra. That's kind of ridiculous, but it's kind of like, as I started kind of experiencing what that means. And I think of like, so you have that bottom root chakra and that's where all of that energy lies. I consider the, the sacral chakra that spring that brings it into the rest of your being. 
and that that moves in like throughout your body and throughout your being to be able to create whatever it is that you want to create. And in that sense, being able to manifest whatever it is that you want to manifest. Yeah, it's fascinating. Another fascinating part about that whole thing is like Tesla. I think when he turned like 35 or something, he said like he was done orgasming, orgasming for the rest of his life because he wanted to keep it into like his energy. So he uses sexual energy into his work. There's also a famous book, one of them self-help books called like, I think it was either How to Meet Friends or one of the Dale Carnegie books. There's a paragraph about um, your sexual energy and, and keeping it like inside of you and all that. So I think that it's interesting, but it, so it's the life force. That's the creating chakra. Yeah. And I, I fucking love that you said actually about like Tesla. I did not know that about Tesla, but some of the things that I, I really want to get into is working with guys in, in this because there's something called sublimation where it's, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but it's sublimation where you're able to like men are able to orgasm without actually ejaculating. And there's, and that's, that is a great example too, of like the work that I do in clearing out those those parts of the body that are holding that tension and those blockages. When I talk about tension, tension in the body and blockages in the energetic body. When a guy holds in sperm, it kind of leads to blue balls. And the, 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 the cause of blue balls is actually that stagnation in other parts of your body. So if you're able to move energy throughout the rest of your body and unblock everything else, you're actually able to open up the rest of your body and, and have sexual experiences without actually ejaculating. I hear it occasionally where in multiple different realms where it's the more that you orgasm or the more that you ejaculate, the more that, that energy, that life force energy is going out. So being able to, that's there, there is some truth in that and being able to keep it within your body. I don't know about orgasming. I feel like being able to orgasm is still like kind of, it's a healthy thing because it helps move all of that energy around. Yeah, I've heard a lot that's... about that where you um, orgasm, but you don't um, ejaculate. There's some stuff mm-hmm. about that. And like, uh, I know some spiritual people like practice it and, and do that kind of thing, which is interesting. So then that kind of relates back to, um, say, like Catholics or the church, how they said, hey, don't jerk off and don't have sex till you're married. So like there's like a little duality thing or they're kind of like uh, related. Another thing, I was talking to someone and they read somewhere or they heard from someone that when you have like a sexual relationship with someone, like you're, you're exchanging energies too. And that's why they're saying like, if you have many sexual partners or, you know, uh, like one night stands and you you feel shitty, like it happens to me, like I feel shitty if I don't have like a connection, you know, and there's, is there something to that? Cause you obviously feel so much better when you really like someone or like you've developed a, a, a neat connection to have, you know, intercourse with them than say like a one night random thing. Mm-hmm. There's like so much that can be said about that. The joke I like to make is like, there's no condom for like energy that you exchange with another, (laughs) with another person (laughs) that actually goes into a lot of like men and women and how sexual energy moves through our body. Cause it's not just in that, that one area. And I think a lot of us have that type of sex, those, those one night stands, which I, I, those are nice too. Like I, I still enjoy even with my part, like that, that quick and dirty, like quickies, you know, like those are still really nice to have the without connection. It's just like you, you know, getting off, but the, that kind of goes into like the way that sexual energy moves through both men and women. So 
I, I had, this is quite an explanation, quite a long explanation. I'll get to the point at the very end. So stick with me here. But so our, for women, our positive pull is actually our heart chakra. And if even in that, in anatomy, like that's our penetrative way of, of, of that sexual energy is through like emotions and through, and through stuff like that. And even if you look at like our anatomy, like that's more like we have breasts. And so that's more projective. And then our receptive pole is actually like the Sanskrit word is yoni. That's like all of our reproductive organs or our pussy. That's, that's our receptive um, organ. And it's the opposite for men too. So they're more projective sexually and more receptive emotionally. So I feel like that's where, why God, if you know, like, I feel like people with penises tend to be able to have like these one night stands and a little bit longer, like have, even when in relationships, like able to have sex, kind of no problem where after some time, us women, we tend to want to have more of that connection, or it could be in the certain situations where I think we deep down tend to want to have that full body, like connection and sexual experience with somebody else. And so what happens is I tend to work with both men and women on these poles. So like, I usually, when I work with women, I usually first focus on the breasts and releasing any trauma or tension that happens there. And then working our way down where with men, I work first with the Sanskrit word for male reproductive system is lingam or penis. And I work there and then work upwards and into that heart. So that way that energy can flow and it's a full body experience with that one person. And like those experiences can be really magical and really like those orgasms too can be so, I don't know. Those connections can be really strong. I saw something once, like there's like nine different types of orgasms like one in the penis head, one like uh, you now getting lower than maybe one hitting the bottom chakra. And then there's like one around the body and one around like your whole aura. Isn't there levels to like the orgasm? Um, honestly, I don't know how many levels there are, but I, my best orgasms have actually been like with my underwear on, like <laughs> with just, and I can't even explain where, where they have, cause like for, I'm, I'm sure with men, it's, there's, there's, I've, I've heard of, there's, you know, there's, there's the head, I'm sh- there's the shaft, you know, the balls, there's, there's, you know, the, the prostate, like there's so many different places, even just on that one area. But I've also, shit, like I've, I've made my partner, partner come just by like kissing his neck, you know, like there's, there's so many different types of I feel like if you start like trying to count how many there are, you're limiting yourself to how many different types of orgasms you can have. <laughs> I've heard one people go to like, get, get their, they get their note, uh, get their toes done, like go get a pedicure. And they, they, the lady's like rubbing on their foot and they end up having an orgasm like that. Like there's, there's so, there's so many different ways that you can have an orgasm. <laughs> I'm talking like the big one though, like where it's like whole. You, it's not just like a regular orgasm. It's like your, your soul is orgasming type deal. Mm. You know what I mean, like how the hell do you get to that? Or what is that one? I feel like that I honestly haven't gotten to that point yet, but that is being like, that's what I was talking about, that clearing like all of those places in your body and in, in your being and, and releasing that's uh, releasing all that trauma. And 
honestly, like being authentic in the bedroom, like in that moment, there's so many different things that I feel like I want to normalize. Like I like talking about normalizing a lot. And that that's another part of the expansion part of like you showing up in the bedroom in a certain way. Like I think of like at the end of sex and then just like somebody just like, was that good for you? Like being able to normalize that and being able to be a partner that's comfortable in and being able to experience whatever is experienced, both partners being able to experience whatever is coming up for them in those moments. I'm also a big fan of, you know, normalizing farting and laughing, giggling, like playing around. Maybe, you know, your sexual experience that night is just like cuddling, you know, it's expanding our term that that terminology of sex as well. And like what that means, because that's really how you get into those bigger orgasms is being, being authentic. Yeah. Like totally being vulnerable. I got a question. So, mm-hmm. so we'll be talking about this sex and this orgasm stuff. Um, but what about the enlightened people that sit in the cave for 30 years and they're, you know, everyone says they're enlightened, they're not having sex. So are they, they like figured out how to orgasm nonstop without releasing mm-hmm. fluids or what? See, that was me. That was the beginning of my spiritual path is I felt like I had to do that, like to be able to get rid of all of my possessions and all of those things to be able to become this enlightened person. I'm so glad you asked that question. And what ended up happening is like all of that was suppressed. That could work for some people. I've seen people where that has worked for them. That's that's their spiritual path. But that also kind of goes into the yin and yang. Have you heard of Shiva and Shakti? These Hindi gods. And they're, they're kind of that yin and yang. So Shiva is that stillness that, that you know, dropping into the body and not having, not needing anything and being able to be happy. And a lot of what I work on is the Shakti energy and being able to move. That's that, that feminine energy and being able to move and and move that energy throughout the body. And in my practice, it's a balance in my own personal spiritual practice. It's a balance of both. So like, I usually start my mornings off in that Shiva energy, that stillness and being, being comfortable, like being able to sit with discomfort. And that's just like one way of being able to kind of sit with discomfort. And then later on in my day, that's when I like tap into that, that Shiva and and movement and, and feeling pleasurable and good. And it's having a positive relationship with both. Yeah. Nice little balance. See, that's what I'm saying. A lot of this stuff though is so like you got to find your path, I guess. There's so many different things like the Buddhists and stuff Mm -hmm. talk about no attachments, like detached from everything. Right. And you're, you're free. And, and I mean, similar to like Jesus, Jesus was kind of like detached from everything, you know, live like a poor person, get rid of everything. And, Mm -hmm. and then, but then there's the, the sex guru in in Oregon doing the whole, Hey, let's have sex, let's party. And let's have (laughs) 17 Rolls Royces and and all that. So it's what, I, I think I like your point of finding your right path, but as you can see for, you know, anyone listening or, or going into this stuff, there's so much different shit. Know what I mean, mm-hmm. you can go from here to here to here to here, like you did. Know what I mean? You're yeah. And you don't even have to stay in one place. Like once you find something that works, it, it's, it, there's a chance it might not work for you anymore either. And that's what I, so like, I use the word Tantra very loosely because I feel like people in, in the, in Western society, when we think of Tantra, we think of like sting and sex and that's like the majority of what it is when really like sex is only 10% of tantra 
And what I, but I think what the West kind of appreciates about Tantra, Tantra is actually like super expansive and super mystic. And there's like, it's so incredibly misunderstood. But I think what the West kind of appreciates about Tantra is this, it's like the one religion that, or the one practice that is all encompassing. Like it, 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 it's not just about this ascending practice. It's not just about, and that's what I talk about this duality too. My favorite part of it is like as, as above, so below. So this is what I interpret that to mean is it's not just about this ascension practice and trying to reach heaven beyond us, beyond this three-dimensional world, but also being able to kind of tap into our own experiences in this beautiful place called earth and being able to create this heaven on earth kind of thing. And that, that totally fucking includes making lots of money and, and you can buy a Rolls Royce, like who gives a shit if that's a part of, you know, if that is, and I think that goes into the good and bad too, or certain religions and stuff like that, where they say like, oh, money's bad. Like, you know, money's sinful and, you know, or I don't, I don't need money like to be happy or anything like that. People, those people tend to not have as much money and that that's, there's nothing wrong with that. That's their spiritual path, but you don't have to necessarily adopt that either. Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. You got to, you got to find your right path because there's so many different things, but I think the big piece is just the whole letting go thing that goes with a lot of different things. Like, you know, letting go it's in God's hands or letting go to the universe or to Buddha or Shiva or Bagua or whatever the hell it is. Know what I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think that's a big thing, but it is, it gets so freaking out there, you know, and duality in this, well, I can buy this now I can't. And it, it's, it's interesting, you know, and I think for the, the regular person listening to it and anyone listening to it, it's like, well, what the fuck do you want me to do then? Know what I mean, so what, what do you think the regular person, you know, should do to start their spiritual practice or, the embodiment and manifesting? That's a great question. I don't really think that's for me to answer. Um, I think that's something that I feel like the first step is like trusting yourself and trusting your, your path and wherever you go. If you have the calling, like I honestly, I did not think that I would be getting into this embodiment sexual. If you, if you would have told me two years ago that I'd be doing this work, I'd be like, okay, right. That's I'm not doing that. Why would I be doing that? But there was like, when I started this journey, there was this like inner knowing that and then inner trust that this is the path that I should be going down. And I feel like that is, if you really want to be able to tap into anything, to be able to start the spiritual path, that's what you should start doing. And here's the thing. So the path thing. Okay. Well, the path was um, to go to the Jim Jones in Africa and drink the Kool-Aid for some people. They went down that path. They felt it. You know, the path was to take the cyanide pill for heaven's gate and be with the Haley's comment and go to the, the next level for those people. So like, you know, is everyone's path meant to happen that way? So my, my friend in prison right now, was that his path that he had to go down that route? So are we all on some sort of, you know, this is how it's going to be. This is destiny and you have no option, no free will. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, oh man, you're getting to real, some, some real deep shit. <laughs> Hmm, man, you, yeah, you hit me with a hard one. We might need like, uh, um, the spiritual thought we might need that. What's his name? The Dalai Lama to answer that one. Yeah, no kidding. I think that's kind of what kind of brought me to embodiment work too, is that, is that free will actually, because like, I feel like a lot of us are running on this autopilot and based off of off of like what we were conditioned to do. So and my example is like the relationships that I've had in the past are very like 
they were very not, they were kind of, they were unhealthy relationships, but they were also my idea of like what I thought love was. They were very conditional love type relationships. And so I was unconsciously choosing those types of people where now I'm in a relationship where I actually consciously, I actually, I, I manifested this relationship. I like, I wanted somebody where we met and that's why when, when I talk with clients too, about like manifesting, I can't remember the YouTube video that I watched, but there's like an acronym of like compatibility, like actually like looking at like what it is to be compatible. So matching up spiritually, it's uh, rises. So recreation stands for R intellectual into like, so the things that you like to do recreationally, like you, they match up intellectually, the conversations that you have are stimulating in the way that is stimulating for you. So if you're like a person that jokes around all the time, you probably want somebody that's not as serious and intellectual and like, you know, is able to also joke around with you where me, like, I actually really like having those engaging, stimulating situations, uh, conversations, uh, R I S sexually, like you match up sexually, you have similar sexual interests. So for my partner, I was really excited when he was, when I started talking about like Tantra and, um, and then he started throwing books like the Kama Sutra at me. And I'm like, Oh my God, where did you come from? (laughs) And then emotional, um, compatibility too. So I think that happens a lot in relationships where like, that's where it's a lot of conflict tends to happen is sexually and emotionally too. making sure that you guys, like, I like having deep conversations and, and having that love, that deep level of intimacy and, and emotions. So, and then spiritually, so making sure that you guys are on somewhat of a sp- spiritual path, or if that's important to you, you know, if spirituality is important to you, then you bring that in. If it's not, then having the other person can have that freedom to be able to do that. So being in that new, being in a new relationship was actually really fucking hard for me because it was different than what I was that unconscious part of me that I was used to. So I still had some like these unconscious patterns that I had to bring into this new one. So, and that's another thing that I'm even personally working on through this embodiment work is being able to manifest the type of relationship that I want to manifest and making those free willed decisions. And it's actually like, I remember journaling one time Oftentimes when we want something, it's a certain feeling that we want. So one morning I was like journaling the type of feeling that I wanted in a relationship. I was having some difficulty connecting with my partner at the time. And and I realized that a lot of it had to do with like my own internal blockages. And after doing like a journaling exercise of like how I wanted to feel in that relationship, I ended up manifesting that, that day, you know, like the state that I'm like, I want fun. I want you know, I want compatibility. I want great sex. And it goes a lot deeper than that. That was just kind of the short version of it, but that, I don't, I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, I think, I mean, obviously if we could answer the question, we'd be, you know, enlightened or something like that. So I think it's <laughs> good for thought. I definitely think we are on autopilot. I think our conscious being like me and you talking right now is kind of controlled by our subconscious, which is deep and deep down inside of us. And how do we get inside there and and attack it? I know for me, affirmations have worked. I know meditation, I think has worked again, who knows with this whole free will thing, but I don't know. (laughs) Overall, I think hitting into the subconscious spiritual type realm is a way to maybe get out of the whole matrix free will thought experiment. You know, I think that's the key to getting inside of it all. And I'm, I'm kind of glad that you mentioned too. I feel like a lot of our subconscious 
is in our body. Like a lot of, I talked, uh, we talked beforehand where like our body has so holds so much more memory than our actual mind does. And I use the example of like, I don't remember when my cat scratched me when I was five years old, but I have a scar on my hand. And so there's like, there's deep trauma there, you know, there's, you know, of that one part of my body. And, oh, there was another thing that my, I have a friend who does an Instagram on um, adult ADHD. His, I'm, I have to, because I'm quoting him, I'm going to cite him and say that he's, his Instagram handle is uh, hyperfocused dopamine. And he said that it's a lot easier to control the mind with the body than it is to control the mind with the mind. And I feel like that is because we have so much of this unconscious blockage like in held in our body. And I feel like too, like, I feel like there's a lot of people who like myself, where you said that affirmations work for you, for me, like affirmations really didn't work for me. There's a part of me that was felt like I was like lying to myself for a long time. And there was like this unhealed blockage that I had within me. And even with like talk therapy and stuff like that too, I think like, I'm not saying that I, I, I do, this is a therapy, but I think a lot of people find it. And there's actually a scientific study that says that talk therapy can actually like talking about these traumatic experiences can actually like be re-traumatizing because they're reliving that event where tapping into the body and being able to express those or whatever comes up in that moment can be really, really healing just because it's, it's that, that release. That's no, this is, really interesting. this is really interesting because the gamma mindset, Chris Walton, we've had him on the book is unbelievable. Everyone needs to read the gamma mindset. He has a technique of like getting how to manifest stuff through releasing this trauma inside of you. But a lot of this book is about the spiritual stuff with like the science talking about it and the science, like saying, okay, this is how this could be possible. This is why this works. But that makes a lot of sense. The body thing. And uh, there was this thing I did some military dude, uh, created it. And I think he learned it like in the Himalayas or some shit. And uh, it was to get rid of trauma and you lay on your back and like you put your feet up in the air, but you're like, your uh, the bottoms of your feet would be touching. And then you like shake. It's like, it's called like shake therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that I've tried that, that shit's wicked. And then also in the wild, wild country with Bagdwa, one of his like ritual things was like, yeah, they like go like crazy in a room and scream at each other and like go nuts. And then they like go back to their meditation state. So is this something, right? That actually like getting, I was so self-conscious about getting into the work that I was getting into because a lot of the practices that I do are a lot like that on an individual basis. There's not like, I, I was kind of afraid of being judged because of how they portrayed that one scene in the movie about it just being this extremely bizarre thing you know and then everybody was like singing and dancing at the very very end of it and like I guess the work that I've done with myself and I work with clients too is like that on some level I love that you mentioned the shake therapy because I literally just got into that I I was like a lot of it's so funny because actually like right now I'm not but a lot of the times when I would talk about my purpose and my, and my truth and stuff like that, like I'd start shaking and I thought it was always nervous as a kid, like, and as a teenager, like, I thought it was just like, I was just nervous. And I was like this little chihuahua that would just like shake, but it's actually like a natural trauma release that the body does. And I think gazelle, my mentor said that like gazelles do it too. Like when they're eaten by a lion, like the lion, they like play dead. And then when the lion like drops them and 
then they like get up and they just like flail around and just look absolutely ridiculous and go back to like eating grass. Like nothing happened. Like it's Sunday tea, you know, it's, it's like, it's no big deal. Just a lot in sports, a lot of people before a game or before like a drive or going onto the court, they like jump up and down and kind of like, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's like the same thing, the shake uh, therapy. Cause it's like, it releases that tension or that, that trauma and like, you're more relaxed and in the state of flow. Yeah. I did that actually like a little, like, um, um, like a mini part of it. Like I noticed that I was shaking like at the grocery store one day and I just like kind of like shook my hands and like shook my leg just kind of subtly. And I swear to God, I walked out of that grocery store with so much fucking confidence. Like <laughs> it was like, Oh man, this is so bizarre. Like I feel fantastic after just like doing that little bit of shaking. So when I talk about self-pleasure too, I feel like, like I actually like to ask the question and I kind of want to ask this question to you too, Nick, what do you think of when you think of self-pleasure? This is a rabbit hole because <laughs> I am currently on day 1000 and I think 30 some, it was December 23rd, 2017. The last time I self pleasured myself. Is that crazy or what? That is self crazy. So what do you mean? It's called no fap. And like, there's the whole semen retention shit, you know, too, which I don't participate in that. You know, I have whatever. But um, I was going to do the whole podcast on this stuff. First of all, I think porn is terrible for people. I never like had like an addiction or anything like that. But what it does to the brain, they have studies and the dopamine release. And you're watching another dude, you know, have sex with a girl. I think that's you know what I mean. But the no fab thing, I did it. And I would go on streaks and I'd feel so good. And then I'd relapse, you know, in quotes. And I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do this for like a discipline thing. And I don't know. I liked it and it felt good. So there's my self-pleasure. Well, self-pleasure, yeah. I think more than that too. It's like meditating, that self-pleasure, getting, you know, a massage or, you know, working out. I think there's a lot that goes in with, you know, self-pleasure. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I'm not going to tell you that any of what you said is right or wrong either. But I think a lot of people, when they think about self-pleasure, they think about just that fapping, right? But a part of my expansion passion and expansion purpose is like being able to take people beyond just that one experience of self-pleasure and do more of what you're talking about too, about self-pleasure to me sometimes is like after a yoga session, like me just rubbing my feet and it just feels so good or the central eating part too. That to me is like a form of self-pleasure. And to me, self-pleasure is just connecting with the body. Oh, this is what I was getting at too. So I just did a, I did a post recently on it screaming into a pillow, like beating, beating the shit out of this pillow, like throwing, like, honestly, like a toddler temper tantrum. And the, the school that I'm getting my certification through Institute of new paradigm intimacy, that was like week one is that was our quote, self-pleasure practice was doing like this express and release practice. And I actually had my mentor before this course, she even had me go through this as a quote, self-pleasure practice. So going back to wild wild country and how like that one scene it looked like they were wailing on each other like it didn't look like anybody got hurt after that but it like everybody was that that just express and release just getting all of that energy out and I feel like our society we we don't really know I I my my day job is actually teaching kids and families how to regulate their emotions something that I realized that no I don't think anybody really knows how to do 
on, even aside from regulating emotions, like being able to express emotions in a healthy way, that in itself being authentic and being tapping into there's four different bodies. There's the mental body, the physical body, the emotional body, and the energetic body. And being able to clear whatever it is in that. And in that in itself, it allows that life force energy to move throughout your body and into every little part of your life as well. And having more compassion for other people. Yeah, bottling up is true. I think a lot of people do that. I think um, that's how people get really passive aggressive. They bottle up all that shit and then they slowly let it out and then they snap one day. You know what I mean? Like a, a husband and a wife, you know, the dude, the husband... Just keeps taking it, taking it. And one day, like, you know, smacks a girl type deal. So how to release that is good. But here's the thing, though, too, is the duality part is we can't have everyone doing that. Just imagine if you were like, want to scream at your boss and get your emotional energy out. You're fired and then you got to get a job and then maybe you're homeless. So there's there's pieces in place. And, and when you do what and how you do it, that goes with all this stuff. Being able to do it in a safe container is like a lot of what I work on. And authentic communication as well. So I, both in my day job and my night job of doing this embodiment work, assertive communication is what I use. So that's like my bread and butter. That's another part of my passion is just having this clear communication and being able to express how you feel without taking it personally. Because both people are... So an example of this, I got mad at my brother one day. He is a teenager and we were driving my car. I allowed, I, he had his permit and I, he was driving my car and he wants to be a race car driver. So he was, he was pumped, like thrown the gas, slamming the brakes. And I was, I was getting all revved up. And so going back home, I had, a, I, I used I statements and that's my, my favorite part of assertive communication is using the I statements. Cause once you get into that, you, 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 you did this, you were abusing my car. You weren't paying attention. You were an irresponsible driver. That's that projection part that will get you fired from your job. <laughs> and so in the case of my brother, what I started doing is I feel like you weren't treating my car correctly using this. I feel this, I feel that I feel like you're doing this. And what ended up happening was really cool. It was very organic because he started throwing I statements at me too. And it was funny because at the end of the conversation, he was like, I feel like you're just finding reasons to be mad at me, which I feel like you're just finding reasons to be mad at me would have been triggering as hell. And I probably would have gone off on him, but I was able to kind of look back at myself and like, am I actually doing that? Yeah. There was like something that happened earlier that day that pissed me the fuck off. And like, unconsciously, I've just been irritated all goddamn day. Like that's, that was the, the, the whole situation. And I feel like there's a certain level of being able to release your, your emotions in a safe, in, in your own dojo, I guess, like you're in your own space on your own time. Like I go through my express and release practices at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, actually it's nice to do it in the beginning of the day because I get all of those emotions out and I end up being a happier person because I've gotten all of that stuff out. And I feel like we tend to be happier people when we've expressed all of those emotions. Cause a lot of those pent up emotions are just past traumas. They have nothing to do with the situation that's going on right now. It's, it's literally our inner child that's throwing a temper tantrum. So being able to have that happen, I feel like I've been able to, especially in the work, the line that I do, like having somebody, I might have a client that triggers me, right? But I've dealt with my own, or like previously they might've triggered with me, but I've dealt with a lot of my own traumas and, and triggers and stuff like that and 
released a lot of that stuff where I'm not near, not as bothered by it anymore. If that makes any sense. Yeah. The first thing that I feel statements are great, especially when negotiating or talking with people, because it takes them out the defensive. It's huge. I feel, but that is something very practical that people can take with from this recording is doing those, um, those trauma like releases. There's a shit ton on YouTube. They could hit you up on your Instagram page, but that stuff works. That stuff's wicked. And you may not know you're bottling up all that trauma and all that anger. So when you release it, you probably have an orgasm after you're done with it. Like, Oh, no, I mean like your shoulders go down and all that, but this recording has been going on for a minute. Let's wrap this one up. I loved it a lot. Hopefully we'll get you back on here now with this community how should they contact you? You're open for, you know, maybe some consultations and, and uh, getting uh, in contact with people that want to. Yeah. So the best way to find me is on Instagram. I, the embodied realist. So the dot embodied underscore realist. And I also, my email, you can reach out to me through email through the dot embodied dot realist at gmail.com. And I do free discovery calls. They run about a half hour to, to 45 minutes. And we can kind of talk about what's going on and what you want to work on. And then we can kind of discuss from there. I'm sure they're going to change in the future, but I do um, different, what I call doulaships or mentorships. Either we can do one-time session. I try not to do those, a six-week session or a three-month session. Perfecto. Beyond duality. Awaken some more people, awaken some listeners, find their path. And good. I think we talked about a lot of stuff. My brain was going going all over the place, but I had a good time. I did have a good time. Did you? I had a great time. I, I feel like we got to come back and do that central eating practice. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll, we'll get to central eating. I had my little snack bar ready for it, but I mean, we, we've been going for about an hour and a half and maybe part two, we'll get that in for sure. But awesome. Well, Elizabeth, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story and, and giving some good you know, advice, knowledge, awareness to the listeners. I really appreciate you having me on. Really, really appreciate it. Hey, shot is what I'm here for. I'm ready. Are you downtown when I'm around town? I'm ready. Girl, just let me.